All right. Who uh, watch watch the mic stand? Somebody's handling the mic stand. That was uh, me. Right, that was me. Oh, it was thunder. Good. <laughs> everyone. Everyone's touching their mic. It was everyone. <laughs> Actually, my hand is on mine right now. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it was you. All right, guys. <laughs> everyone get your hands off your mics. That's right. It's not this kind of podcast. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Well, well there it is. <laughs> what is mental health or mental well-being? We're going to talk through that. We're also going to talk about the challenges and the things that have helped each one of us in our quest for maybe trying to be a little bit more emotionally healthy. This is the fourth part of our core four back to basic series. This one's focusing on mental health. My name is Scott Singpill. I bring the BS. The MD to my BS is Dr. Troy Matson. Hey, Scott, I'm here and I'm excited to talk about mental health. Uh, we also have Mitch Sears in the mix. Hey there. And Thunder Jalili, our favorite nutritionist, and today our favorite mental health expert. Hi, thanks for having me again. All right. So I don't know if you guys faced the same challenge. This one was a tough one for me to wrap my head around. Like the activity, nutrition, and sleep, that was kind of pretty forward, I think. What does mental health even mean, I think, is kind of maybe one of the first problems that we face when we talk about mental health. Uh, does anybody want to jump in on that? Thunder, what does it mean to you? For me, mental health means... Um being in a place where I'm kind of neither too low or neither too high. Um, I look at it as kind of being balanced, you know, allowing me to cope with everything that's coming my way, you know, on a daily basis. And also for me, it has an element of, of realism, you know, like I, like I know you can't be like on top, super positive all the time. Um, and that's, that's okay. You know, that's, so that's, that's kind of a normal way that, that I think humans, uh, humans should should act so so that's my own personal definition but i know it's a little different for everybody yeah i think that's why this is an interesting conversation mitch what is your definition of mental health or mental well-being or do you even couch it that way <laughs> well i guess what's been kind of interesting for me is that i am now i think i guess celebrating maybe that's not the word uh my one year working with a mental health professional um, a therapist i've been with for about a year now and for me, originally mental health, I had gotten to a place where I was not functioning the way I wanted to, um, couldn't, wasn't working well, it was impacting my relationships, etc. And for me, mental health is as much or is just as important as any other aspect of your health. If you have a broken leg, you can't run. And so for me, the last year has been identifying what is impacting me mentally what is holding me back and working with a professional to try to find a way to get me back up and running and excited and enjoying life again. Troy, how about you? Uh, I love what Mitch said. And kind of along those lines, I feel like in terms of mental health, I'm feeling mentally healthy when I feel like I'm in a position to, you know, see beyond my own little world and my own bubble and be concerned about others needs and help them and reach out to them. I feel that when I'm not in a great place mentally or, you know, in terms of mental health, it's when I'm, I'm feeling anxious or depressed or whatever those symptoms may be. And then I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm really helping other people or I'm just so wrapped up in those things. I'm not in a position to do that. So good mental health to me is being able to see beyond my own little world and, and, and feeling like I'm in a good spot to help others. Wow. I love that definition. I'm going to uh, defer to Kevin Curtis, who he had on the show. He's a licensed clinical social worker. And he gave, we asked him that question. He gave us his take. And I think about this a lot. So his take on it is, you know, a take that I've adopted. When we talk about mental health, or at least when I talk about mental health, I'm talking about 
the state of our of our thoughts and the state of our emotions um, and and making sure that we're taking care of that are are we are we having thoughts that are useful to us are we having thoughts that impact our ability to to function in life and is our emotional state supportive of of our of us you know me, meeting our goals or or is it a barrier to to doing the things that we want to do in life the part of that definition I really like is are our thoughts are our mental states uh, helping us to achieve the things we want to achieve or are they hindering us? And I think about that hindering a lot. If I find myself in a situation where I'm like, eh, am I kind of depressed? Am I stressed? Am I this? Am I that? I will often ask myself, is it helping me or hindering me right now the way I'm feeling? Um, so that has really helped me, that definition that Kevin gave us a, on a previous episode. Just like any other aspect of health that we've talked about in our core four back to basic series, whether it's nutrition or activity or sleep, if you are mentally healthy, it allows you to do certain things. And it also is associated with certain health benefits. So um, let's go ahead and have Thunder uh, talk about a little bit what mentally healthy allows people to do. Yeah. So um, being mentally healthy, and I like that term, mentally healthy. Um, it allows us to cope with the stresses of life. So all the little things that happen day to day, I think you can better cope and, and ride those through. It also allows us to be in a place where we can be productive in our work, in our education, and also in our relationships and how we interact with the community. And uh, finally, I think being mentally healthy um, allows us to also engage in other healthy habits you know, healthy diet that we've been talking about, um, healthy activity, uh, getting that, you know, productive sleep. So I think they all can feed on each other and help enhance each other. Uh, you know, along those lines, Sunder, we, we talk often about how all of these things with the core four interrelate. What we find with mental health, it also relates to so many physical aspects and so much of our physical well-being. Uh, certainly, there are the benefits we know about where with I think being mentally healthy leads to less risk of disease. We're less prone to illness uh, and we're less likely to get injured. Um, it also improves our immune function, which of course relates to that less risk of disease as well. And I think all that ties into also, I think, you know, certainly being mentally healthy with those benefits leads to a longer life and certainly a happier life as well. We're going to talk a little bit in the show here, some of our um, kind of struggles that we've had with, um, you know, remaining mentally well or mentally healthy. Uh, as much as anybody feels comfortable to talk about, it's weird because, you know, even though we're doing this, I found myself as I was thinking about those things that I wanted to talk about, still with that stigma, you know, that guys don't talk about this sort of thing, or I didn't want to admit some of these things um, because, you know, it's like admitting a weakness. So we're going to talk about some of the things to the level that we're comfortable with. Um, and then maybe some of the things we've done that have helped us. But first, um, as we've done in previous episodes, Mitch is going to give us the basics. So these are some things that can help you maintain good mental health. Yeah. So when it comes down to the very basics of being able to maintain a positive mental health to do those things that you want to do, it really breaks down into three big categories. The first is you got to make sure that you're taking care of your physical needs. And this is kind of when we talk about the core four, how everything's interconnected. You got to make sure you're getting enough activity. That's going to help your mental health. You got to eat well. You got to actually eat some food and maybe limit your caffeine and alcohol. And then sleep. Sleep has a big impact on your mental health. And you got to make sure that it is a priority in your day to day if you want to stay mentally healthy. 
The second thing is to engage in self-care whenever you can. And this can be any sort of activity, and it's really kind of individual to you. This could be scheduling time for something relaxing, doing some gratitude, mindfulness. Do something that you're good at or you enjoy. And finally, if things are getting too serious for one reason or another, you might need to see a professional. There's a lot of things that can impact your mental health from environmental factors, biological factors like your literal brain chemistry, what goes on in your life, your family history. And sometimes those things are easier dealt with with a professional rather than on your own. I think, um, you know, describing what mental health is can be challenging. It seems that uh, the three of you have thought about that, though. You had some great (laughs) answers that were really uh, insightful and I enjoyed hearing. Uh, I think another thing could be challenging is, you know, realizing when something's going on with your mental health, when should you become concerned? Um, are, are there any sort of warning signs you look forward for that makes you realize that it's, it's either like I'm a little stressed out or I'm a little anxious or it's, you know, delving into something a little bit more serious? For, for me, the warning sign is uh, like I can't get it out of my mind. I can't stop dwelling on, on, on something. Um, that's not usually me. I kind of have uh, the gift of being able to put things into perspective and also forgetting things quickly. Uh, I guess kind of like a dog, how they forget something that happened two seconds ago. So <laughs> when I get to a place that, that I can't do that, then I realize, um, okay, this is potentially something I need to, I need to talk to somebody about, and I and I've had a couple of those instances in in my past. So so that's my warning sign. Uh, I think it comes out a lot too in relationships, whether it's at home or work. And I find if I am feeling edgy or I'm saying something snarky or <laughs> you know or. Uh, you know, or I, I, I notice it a lot where I, I start to become very impatient with other people. And that's when I'm like, okay, clearly it, this is on me. There's, I, I'm, I'm not in a great place in terms of my mental health. And that's, that's where I think that becomes the red flag. It'd be nice to catch it before that happens, but oftentimes that's where I see it. So for me, um, I deal with a lot of anxiety and depression and it's kind of what I'm being medicated and treated for right now. And for me, there is just this blah, this like, if I am not excited for the day, if there is absolutely nothing I want to do, I don't want to eat food, I just want to sit, that's when I know that something is off. And I got to do something to get up, get moving and make sure that my mental health is doing okay that day. The National Institute of Mental Health says that uh, some of the things to look for, uh, some of you guys mentioned already, um, but difficulty sleeping is one of them, appetite changes that Mitch, uh, you know, talked about. Um, and that could either be not eating enough or eating too much and you're gaining weight, struggling to get out of bed in the morning because of mood, maybe difficulty concentrating, loss of interest in things that you used to find enjoyable, or just kind of the inability to perform usual daily functions and responsibilities. For me, it's this feeling that I've got concrete boots on when I have to do things in my day to day. If it feels like I'm just dragging myself through the day just to get the basic things done. Um, That's kind of the warning sign that maybe something's up and I need to examine that a little bit. Um, The important thing is that you shouldn't wait until those symptoms are overwhelming. So talk to your primary care provider. They can refer you to a mental health specialist if needed. If you don't know where to start, um, we'll put a resource to the National Institute of Mental Health. Their tips for talking with your health care provider. It's a fact sheet that you can check out. Um, But it's just really important that if you notice some signs and they are different, for other uh, for everybody that you you know you do something about it whether that's take action yourself or find help if you need to. So, what are some of the challenges that you face? Let's start with Troy. 
Uh, where do I begin? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is a tough thing to talk about. I'll tell you, one of the challenges I face is even admitting there's an issue. And I, I will admit part of that is because I work in a profession which, you know, kind of like we talked about with sleep, the irony of the healthcare profession is that we certainly reach out to individuals with mental illness and we help them, but there is definitely a stigma among healthcare providers to the point where, and I think this has changed somewhat in recent years, but, you know, every time I go up for recredentialing every year or two in, in wherever I work, uh, a form goes out to several of my colleagues saying, are you aware of this individual having any mental illness or requiring medication? And that question has come under a lot of scrutiny in recent years on a national level mm-hmm. to where now it's changed to, are you aware of any physical or mental impairment which would affect this individual's ability to perform their job functions? But that's that's kind of the environment I've trained in where it's like there is that stigma and you get to a point where you think, wow, that could affect my job if I admit I have a problem. So I think a lot for me, it's been even you know, acknowledging that. Um, and actually one place I, I worked uh, as part of their security clearance, they actually required that you disclose any mental health provider you had ever spoken with, and then they would speak with those individuals. So, wow. yeah, I mean, it's, that's pretty heavy stuff. And, you know, they clarify like, hey, we're here to help you. No one's not going to get a clearance because of this, but still I think that kind of weight, you know, and so that's been my career path, and it's it's definitely different, I think, than a lot of career paths. I don't think most jobs are going through that, but uh, I think it, it does affect you in a way to where you you become a little more hesitant to even admit there's an issue. So I will fully admit that I acknowledge that I have had struggles with different issues uh, over the years, and and sometimes, you know, I may have swept that under the rug and been hesitant to admit it or to seek any help uh, maybe because of that. And I don't think that's necessarily a healthy thing, but that's probably where, you know, at least one issue and maybe others are in the same situation, not necessarily p- because of jobs or credentialing or whatever else, but I think just, you know, maybe stigma or whatever else uh, are hesitant to even acknowledge that, that there could be an issue. Yeah. The culture that you're in, the workplace culture, there's a lot of workplace cultures where if you admit that, that's not a that's not going to help you at your job, right? Exactly. Or it could be workplace. It could be family culture. It could be, sure. you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, whatever your social group is, it could just be something that people just don't talk about and you don't admit is wrong. And again, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's that's something that I have had a challenge with. I think it's interesting, Troy, that you talked about like maybe the family upbringing type influence, because for me, when I was first starting to really come to grips with the fact that I was dealing with kind of severe anxiety and um, a little bit of PTSD, um, that I needed to reach out to someone. There was still the way that I was raised, my friend group, uh, the things you see in the media about being a man, et cetera, like it felt almost like a moral failing to like go to a specialist. Like it was actually one of the very first things I worked on with my specialist is I'm just like, I talked to my therapist and I'm just like, I feel shame for being here. I feel like I have somehow failed as a human being to be in here. And the first thing out of his mouth is like, well, I guess we should start there. Right. (laughs) Right. And And that was what was kind of fun is that, you know, it took a while to change that kind of mindset, that kind of idea that, you know, it's not a weakness. It really isn't. And in fact, the same way as, you know, if you work your muscles every day, you're going to get stronger, right? And so if you're having mental health issues, 
you know, going to a specialist and working on it every day, you're going to be even stronger for it. You know, Mitch, along those lines, um, to me, I think one of the most positive things that's probably changed in our society over the last eight or 10 years is that growing acceptance that it's okay not to be okay. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's fine to, you know, want to talk to people or have issues. It doesn't diminish you as a human, doesn't diminish you as a man. It's just a normal part of what people go through sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's very liberating too. Cause when, you know, mm-hmm. when I had a situation that I wanted to see a therapist for, you know, it was one of my friends I was talking to and they said, you know, they said, you know, I saw so-and-so for, for this problem and, and, you know, you should talk to somebody. And, and, you know, it was just very open and, and it just seemed like, oh, I can do that. Like I have permission to do that. It's not a, right. it's not a problem. It's, it's a very liberating feeling when, once you, once you accept that. You know, I've had a couple of those experiences recently with a couple of my colleagues at work. And this is the first time I've ever had these conversations with other people. And granted, it's been generally by text messaging. We won't actually speak to each other. It has to be by text. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been that conversation with a couple of colleagues. This has never happened before. I mean, you, you know, I mentioned the medical profession and then emergency medicine in particular is, you know, it's very much a profession. You suck it up and you do it and you deal with it. And that's that's the mentality. So to talk to a couple of people just about, you know, some of the things we've been experiencing with work. Some of that's COVID related. I think some of it's just, you know, general frustration or, you know, whatever it may be, or just uh, some of the challenges and how that's affected our mental health um, has been refreshing to have those conversations. It hasn't happened before. So it's, it's been nice to have that. Here's a pro tip when doing those conversations, go to a baseball game because you don't have to face each other. You can just. Sit <laughs> oh yeah. Baseball game or just doing a road trip, like road trips, baseball games, you know, you're just sitting there. You don't feel obligated yeah. to talk, but then maybe you exactly. talk. Great. Right. Yeah. And you're side by side. So you don't have to really necessarily make eye contact. If something happens, you know, it yeah. can distract you for a second, then you can come back to the topic. I just really think that that's a great place for guys to go and talk. <laughs> Men work best when there's no eye contact. That's funny. Um, I am also going to just throw in there as much as things change, there are a lot of places where things have not changed. Um, uh, you know, I think about where I grew up and I don't know how much progress has been made there. You know, looking at some of the people I grew up with on social media, you know, it concerns me a little bit. So I guess the, the bigger point I want to make there is even if it's not accepted by the people that is in, you know, wherever you are, your culture, your family, just know that it's okay and you can go do it. You shouldn't feel guilt or shame for it. Right. So my challenge is just actively staying on top of it. I've found that my mental and emotional well-being is just like any other aspect of my health. Right. It's not just something you can take for granted. You kind of have to actively manage that. You have to monitor it. You have to do things that are going to benefit your your emotional health. Let's jump into the last section of the show. What works for you? What are some strategies that you found that help you overcome challenges or that that just kind of help out a little bit? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start off and, and probably take one off of everybody's list here. Um, my number one is exercise and nutrition. Uh, some of it is probably guilt if I'm not eating well or if I'm not exercising, you know, that I'm experiencing. Um, but I think a lot of it is chemical. Uh, I know that exercising, Troy, back me up on this, it, 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 chemical reactions happen, right? And you get these endorphins and uh, the, the food you eat can impact your mood chemically. And personally, I think sugar 
too much sugar impacts my mood in a negative way. And also the older I get, even if I have a couple beers the night before, you know, just reasonable drinking the next day, I might feel anxious. So it just really comes down to, again, the core four again, that exercise and nutrition piece. If I'm feeling out of sorts, that's the first question I ask myself, how's your exercise and nutrition? And if it's not great, let's get back at that. And after three or four days, I start to feel better. So I'll, I'll jump in. One thing that helps me, and it's in some ways related to what you guys talked about, is uh, reminding myself it's okay to be selfish about self-care. Um, <laughs> so really, you know, make the time to exercise, make the time to, you know, um, do an activity that's, that's relaxing and fun, whether it's watching a TV show I like or reading a book or, or you know, just it's okay to be selfish. No, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's really an investment in yourself so that you can then be in a better place to, to lift others up and help them out. So, so it seems selfish in the short term, but obviously bigger picture, it's allowing you to give a whole lot more. Mitch, what's a strategy that's uh, worked for you? So kind of along the same lines that we were talking about a little earlier with like being more open about it. One of the things that I have really worked on, and this is a tip from my therapist, is to just start talking about your mental health with everyone around you. And that's not to mean like to be irritating or anything, but just think about it. If people don't know what you are going through, what they expect of you, how they see you is very different if they assume you're you're just fine, right? Suddenly, you get, allow the other people around you to know that you are going through something and be able to understand, offer help if they can, give you space if you need to, whether it be at work and say, hey, I'm having a really hard time right now with this, this, and this, you know, and hopefully you have people around you that can kind of support you. But if you don't talk about your mental health, then everyone just assumes that you're just grumpy or you're just an angry person or, you know, and so by just talking about it with the people around you, it makes social interactions, professional interactions just so much easier and healthier overall. You know, that's such a great, that's such a great point, Mitch, because like I think of, you know, you go like bike riding with one of your friends and they say, oh, I can't, you know, ride hard today or do this day because I have like, you know, my knee is sore. Or you go to eat with somebody and they say, you know, I, I, I can't have gluten in my diet. And we accept all those things and we work around mm -hmm. them. And thank you for telling me so we can make those adjustments. So yes, that's the same thing with mental health. That's great. Before Thunder spoke up, I was going to say, uh, you know, I struggle telling people. Uh, I, I struggle talking about it because in my head, I figure most people don't care, right? That's just kind of my thing to deal with. So I'll deal with it. So I still am hesitant. So to some extent, that stigma still lives within me. However, Thunder, the way you phrased it kind of made me reconsider. It might be more a matter of like, it's not like you have to go into these huge details about what's going on, but right. You know, just mention it. Mention, hey, you know what? I'm struggling a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit anxious today. Um, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. But so thanks for framing it that way for me, Thunder. I appreciate that. I'm still working through that ability just to tell people about it, you know? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm still just trying to take the first step. I'm still just trying to identify it and tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine walking into work and being like, hey, guys, I'm feeling anxious today. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, right. Great suck it up. <laughs> We've got two level one traumas coming in in the next 20 minutes and uh, cardiac arrest on the way. So deal with it. <laughs> you know? yeah, you're, you're, in the, you're in the exact <laughs> horrible place to be saying that sort of thing yeah. because traditionally, you know, it's, 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough work environment. Yeah. I would love to be able to do that. But <laughs> I just but again, for me, it's kind of it I, I've I've tried to take that that first step at least to be able to say, these are the emotions I'm feeling. I am feeling this right now, whatever it may be. And at least telling myself that, and that seems to help. At least at least saying, Hey, this is kind of how I'm feeling today. Um, and at least acknowledging that. And then maybe I can identify something I can do maybe to address it or maybe not. And maybe it's just a matter of saying, Hey, that's how I feel. And, and that's validating to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think the takeaway there is again, this is going to vary for person to person, right? What they feel comfortable with, what the, 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 the culture they're in is like, and when I talk about culture, I mean the work environment, school environment, all that. So sometimes you might have to find a different strategy because the talking about it strategy doesn't work. But if it does work for you, by all means, you should engage in that. My number two is that I found helpful is just push it way down deep inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very it. For you. yeah. Just like take a stick and just really pound it down like you're pounding powder into a gun barrel. <laughs> and then just wait for that gun barrel to explode. Right. <laughs> Great analogy. Love it. Love it. It's good. Actually, I'm sure every mental health professional would agree with you, Scott. Um, it actually plays a little bit off of what you just said, Troy, just acknowledging an emotion. So if you're feeling something or feeling something going on uh, and I'm doing it like you, Troy, internally, just kind of acknowledging it, going, huh, not judging it, not saying, oh, that's a good or a bad thing. And just trying to use it as a piece of information to determine what's going on. And then is there something I can do to help change that? Thunder, what's yours? I've always tried to like when I can, you know, put things in perspective. And I don't know if it's just the way I was brought up or just I, you know, lucked into this. But most of the time I can I can put things into some sort of like perspective where I don't beat myself up too much about things that happen to things I'm feeling. Um, and it makes it easier to do that if I have, you know, regular routines and regular exercise and, and just kind of that regular life pattern. So that's, you know, one way I cope with it. Not, not, and again, I don't know if it's anything that I just learned how to do. It's just something that was just kind of in, inside me, put in perspective. But, but I got to say, the times where I feel like I can't put something in perspective. That's the times where I know that I have, you know, a deeper issue. And, and, you know, fortunately there's only been like a couple of times in my life where I've felt like that, but, but, you know, I have, that's when I've reached out to others, you know, at that time. Makes me think about, uh, if something happens, I tend to go, all right, so this happened. What's the worst that could come of it? I mean, what's like, what's the worst possible outcome? And when I play that game, a lot of times, if I'm being honest with myself, Eh, the outcome's really not that big of a deal, so it's not going to be, you know, worth stressing about. As someone who is the opposite, like, <laughs> no, do not play that game. Like, so so that kind of, like, goes into what one of mine is, if, if I may kind of just jump in here real quick. Like, as someone who is, like, a chronic worrier, someone who has sometimes a real hard time seeing the positive, putting things into perspective, like, if I play the, like, what's the worst that could happen game, it gets real dark real fast, right? <laughs> And I, and I sometimes just think that's my more my macabre admit, uh, imagination than anything. But the thing that really helps me, and again, it's something that my therapist said, is that there is no bad thoughts, right? Well, I guess within reason. But he says that, hey, like recognize that whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling is trying to communicate something to you. 
And if you are able to listen to it and learn to listen to it and take the time to listen to it, it will direct you how to heal yourself is kind of the way that he has explained it. So if you have that capacity, if that's something that you can learn to do, that's great. It's things like even like he talked about um, envy. Like if you're envious of someone, that's supposed to be a bad feeling. That's a sin. You're not supposed to be envious. But at the same time, maybe that feeling of envy can point out something that's important to you, something that someone else has that you wish you had. And then you can kind of focus on getting that getting that thing in your life or that aspect or quality in your life. Right. And so by just acknowledging that there are no such thing as bad feelings and that they are all there to communicate something to you, a need, a want, something not being fulfilled and just practicing learning to, to listen to those. That's been extraordinarily helpful to me. But along those lines, too, something we've talked about on the podcast before. I know you've mentioned that you've done this, Scott, also is gratitude. Sometimes it seems cliche, like we hear that a lot, like, you know, express gratitude, feel gratitude. But I've, I've tried to do that really put forth uh, just a just a you know kind of more of a dedicated focused effort with that over the last several months and really just writing down every day what am i grateful for just one thing you know today this is what i'm grateful for you know this next day this is what i'm grateful for i find that doing that you know it's not just that it, it kind of makes me think about it more throughout the day maybe more of a glass half full thing it, again it seems a little bit simplistic but it's something we've talked about before I've found it's been helpful. It's not something I've done prior to the last few months and I found it's made a difference. I've done that practice as well. And it, it, uh, I've, I've also added to it, like, what did I accomplish today? Because a lot of times I'll go home at the end of the day and I'll be like, oh, I didn't get anything done. But if you really kind of examine, eh, you probably got more done than you think. And to me, that's a, a source of kind of, I don't know, well-being, thinking that I've contributed. So um, I've done both of those, Troy. And, and I can say they do sound like what, but they do work for me as well. Yeah, you, you talked me into it, Scott. Must have been another episode we did. I decided Scott does it. I'm doing it. I'm not going to weigh my food, but I am going to write down what I'm grateful for like Scott does. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a recent thing for me, and that's avoid mental overstimulation. So this was me about a month ago. I would listen to music online all day. It was 80s music. I have a friend that works at a different place and we would listen to the same online station together. And every once in a while, we'd text each other back and forth about, you know, what songs we're playing or whatever. So there was another bit of stimulation, not only listening, but now I'm texting. Uh, and then, you know, I had social media on my phone as well that I was using throughout the day. Um, you know, that 24-7 stream of information, whether it's about people I care about or not, that 24-7 stream of news. Uh, and I just, at the end of the day was just, <laughs> I took social media off my phone. I stopped listening to music. Unfortunately, my friend and I don't text each other as often, but that's one less stimulation. And I'll tell you within a couple of days, it has made a huge difference in how I feel mentally and emotionally. So if you are overstimulated throughout the day, I used to work in an open office plan and I was kind of the same way there. Cause you know, everybody's working out in the open and you hear everything. Uh, if you can, you know, maybe find a time where you can eliminate some stimulation or get away from it, uh, that's worked for me. Thunder. Yeah. So you actually touched on um, one of the things that I was going to mention for, for my third, and that was social media. Uh, about three years ago, I got off Facebook and I stopped doing all kinds of social, any kind of social media because Half the time, it would just like stress me out or make me angry. Um, so, so that was, 
uh, I, I mean, that was a great, you know, moment for me. And along those lines, um, I also tried to limit how much news I watch on TV. And instead, if I want to get news, I read it. I try to read it. What I noticed, you know, with that is that when you watch a news program, there's this emotional undercurrent of of broadcast news. When you're looking at someone's face, you're hearing them talk, you're seeing their body language. And and for me, I think I was picking up like on a lot of like things that made me anxious and stressed by that whole visual, you know, subconscious um, stimuli that was coming through. And when I switched to reading, it was so much easier to, to put things in a, in a perspective mm. that, that just didn't, you know, rile me up. And that has made um, a big difference in my overall kind of stress and anxiety level. Yeah, and not getting that news through social media. You know, I really think yeah. that's huge because news on social media is designed to push your buttons. So yeah. if you're already anxious about things, that's just going to, you know, pour gasoline on the fire. Mitch, number three. So my last one is to stay curious about your mental health. Um, so some of the struggles that I have is that I'll hear something from someone like, oh, keep a gratitude journal, like, you know, Scott does and I guess Troy does now. Or like, hey, uh, try this thing out or meditate for 10, 15 minutes or do whatever. And a lot of those didn't really work for me. And I can see where they came from. I can see their goals, but it just really didn't fit into my life. And so I think that a lot of times we just assume that these are these particular behaviors are the ways to get healthy. And I think that's the same way when it comes to losing weight, uh, strength training, getting swole, whatever. There's all these like lists of things that you're supposed to do. And if you do these things, you will be healthy. Right. And if we can apply that same thing to mental health, be curious, try things out. What, you know, I, uh, Thunder mentioned sitting out on his deck, you know, that's something that's very good for him. And if we can continue to like observe our own feelings, observe what does and doesn't work for us. And it's huge. It's huge to find out what helps you as an individual will do so much more than just doing what someone else tells you to. All right. Uh, Troy, you're number three. So, Scott, we've kind of talked about this in terms of identifying emotions and I've I've come to a point again it's been just the last several months where I have really tried to identify you know I think we all have feelings but then sometimes those feelings get to the point of what we may classify more as emotions more than feelings and I've really tried to identify when I'm feeling two specific emotions and those emotions are anxiety and anger and those are emotions I just I don't want those in my life like I have sometimes been motivated by anxiety. Like it's been something that has prompted me to, to action, to, you know, whatever it is, whether work or testing or academics. And I've used that as a motivation almost, uh, of almost leaning on anxiety to push me forward. Uh, and I have experienced anger potentially with that sometimes with work related scenarios, with even sometimes patients or consultants at work who get under my skin, and I don't like those things. I don't want to experience those. So I've been really been trying to say, okay, am I feeling anxious now? Am I feeling angry? And then to say, what's the source of that? Or to identify ahead of time what will cause that and to try to avoid those things. Uh, and then to say myself, you know, because like I said, I've, I've almost been driven by that sometimes. Uh, and then to say to myself, hey, I'm going to take this wherever, 
wherever it takes me. I'm not going to let anger motivate me. I'm not going to let anxiety motivate me. It's made a big difference. Um, if you're not letting anxiety motivate you anymore, what motivates you? <laughs> anxiety and fear are great motivators to perform. They are. Okay. anger at this point. Yeah, I, it's not, I don't want it. I don't want anxiety and fear to motivate me. I want it to be, you know, the reward. Like, I don't want to be motivated to, again, and, and sometimes I've been motivated, and, and this is going to sound funny. We talk so much about running, but I regularly sign up for marathons. And sometimes it's been the anxiety, like there's marathons out there. I got to be ready for it. There's marathons out there. It's an anxiety. (laughs) I have tried to take that to the other level and to to a different emotion and say, I'm going to be motivated by the fact that, uh, that I just enjoy the experience. Like I enjoy the experience of running. I enjoy taking my dog out. I enjoy the solitude. I enjoy the, the time it allows me to process my thoughts. And that's been a, that's been a different experience. I'm thinking back where I was five years ago. And I was motivated to go out every day, regardless of conditions, because I knew a marathon was coming up and I better be ready for it. Troy, you just gave me an epiphany when you Ah. talked about you're not going to be motivated by anxiety. And it's the source of things that we let motivate us. And I think to my school, I am motivated, I think, by not wanting to look dumb when I write Mm -hmm. my papers or do anything, right? And that causes anxiety, as opposed to, as you said, being motivated perhaps reframe it that I'm excited to learn about this thing. And I'm excited to go through this writing process because it's going to be part of the learning process. And I'm excited to, you know, to have this final product, right? That produces a completely different emotion when you turn that in, because now it's not about showing how smart you are. It's about engaging and you just enjoy the process. You enjoy learning. So, I mean, being mindful about why you're doing things and try to do them for things that don't cause anxiety and that give you other intrinsic rewards. Did that make sense to anybody listening? (laughs) That makes perfect sense. That's the process I've tried to go through, Scott. Like I said, anxiety has been such a motivator. And I think for, you know, a lot of, I'll readily admit, I am very much a type A personality, high achiever, achievement oriented, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I have been motivated by that anxiety and that fear of looking stupid or that fear of failure for a long, long time. And so it's, it is hard to reframe it, but, uh, that's what I want to do and what I'm trying to do. So I, I totally get it. And it's being mindful about, uh, why you're doing the things you do, which I think is a great point to end on because that's what we've talked about for every one of the components of the core four is what is it that you want these things to do for you? And they don't have to be what society says they have to do for you. So maybe that's a good place Mm -hmm. to end. Good conversation, guys. Uh, If you'd like to reach out and comment on what you just heard or have something you'd like to share, it's so easy to get a hold of us, Troy. Tell us how. Oh, I'm feeling anxious, Scott. I don't know if I... (laughs) Mitch, go ahead. You can do it. Oh my God! I forgot. No, I forgot. No, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll come through, Scott. I got this. I got this. <laughs> so you can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Who Cares Men's Health. Email us, Who Cares? Hello at thescoperadio.com. Uh, contact us on our listener line six zero one five five Scope. And again, we would love to hear what you're doing to to be mentally healthy and what works for you. Uh, We'd love to get your perspective. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health.